Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hey, everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. I am joined, of course, by my buddy, Rich Rebar. We are uh, going to be picking all of the wildcard weekend games against the spread, but also, you know, just as we have on this channel all week long, just going to, you know, kind of talk about the playoffs, thinking about some of these odds. And, uh, you know, Rich, before we, we were talking before the show, and I, I think that um, you do make a very good point, which is that in some of these um, like a whole playoff long fantasy contest in the futures markets. People are definitely overconfident in the New Orleans Saints relative to what historically happens with three seeds and just the variance that playing an extra game induces. That variance is just, it, it's so big. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it uh, from just like a big picture stance, you know, since the NFL went to six playoff teams in 1990, um, we've had just seven Super Bowls where it's one versus one seed. So you don't have to just take the chalk, but uh, 46 of those 58 teams have had a bye uh, in the, you know, in the first round, which leaves you with just 12 teams outside of that. Uh, just three teams have been a five or six seed. So, you know, if you're doing your, your playoff, your picks, and, you know, you know some of these like the FFPC, you can only pick one player per team. Uh, you have to fade two teams outright and something like that. Or you're doing these playoff polls where you just lose all the players that are from a losing team. I mean, you definitely don't want to load up on, you know, even if you're confident in teams in the first round, you know, teams like the Bills or the Eagles or the Seahawks, you know, those types of guys. I mean, I, I think that it's hard. The Saints make it particularly hard. So I, I obviously think they're at least, at worst, the second-best team in the NFC. And, you know, we've taken, you know, shots at the Packers kind of all year. Now now it's in vogue to take shots at the Packers. We were doing it in week six. Yeah, so yeah. Jump it, on it, now. <laughs> it, like, like Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers missing 13 consecutive throws against the Lions, <laughs> like got everyone to realize what most people knew four years ago, which is this dude is, is big time washed. I mean, that was the worst game I've ever seen him play against the Lions. That was, that was uh, Derek Carr-esque. Like it, it was really bad. So my father-in-law is in this huge survivor contest uh, that, that starts like 12,000 people. And it's yeah. down now to like under 500. And he had the Packers last week and was like just on death tilt, like just dying because he's made it this far. You know, it's so, it's so the pot is so big. 
uh, he was just he would just to get this far and to lose on a game where you lose like a twelve point a twelve point favorite to a line. Right? Yeah. How sick did he have to play it to have a twelve point favorite in week seventeen? Guy must have been uh, galaxy braining like crazy. Yeah, I mean him to have that available, and especially because the the Patriots lost to the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. Like to have that as a counter and feel to, to to feel so hot. Like, look at man, I I didn't you know all these people that had the Patriots. Like they're gonna drop, and I've got this game here. And oh wait, what's happening in that game? David Blouse catching touchdowns. What's going on? Right what now? what a play! The Blouse special. What a play dude, that was. All those. How many awesome plays did we see in Week Seventeen? In week the Seventeen, Falcons, dude. The Falcons yep. ran that play uh, to that offensive lineman. That play was incredible. Like, how do you leave that on the shelf for like for? I mean, maybe years? like maybe run that. Maybe run that on like a fourth and short in that game. They lost to the Eagles, and then their season is different. And then like you know, the, then all of a sudden the the Falcons are three and one instead of two and two, and their season is like entirely different. Yeah, man. I mean, so many cool plays we saw in Week Seventeen. It's just like, man, like w- way to empty the chamber just because you practiced it and say, oh, I guess we should run this. <laughs> how bad are coaches, man? It's yeah, crazy. it drives me crazy, uh, for sure. You know, I was talking a little bit on Twitter with uh, Rudy Gamble. At Rudy Gamble, I'm not sure what his actual real name is. And we were just talking about, just in general, about what we believe like teams do. And, you know, I was talking about some slots, some slot snaps that Logan Ryan's given up all of his production, you know, this year. And that, you know, do we believe that, you know, teams still attack, like, weaknesses, defenses? And the answer is no, right? Like, we don't believe that. Teams just do what they do. And you look at target numbers, for, like, from a defensive stance, it's not that – they're funneling targets to certain positions. It's just offensive stats that they're accruing. Uh, you know, there's definitely uh, – we, we haven't seen coaches really adapt to the things that we believe that they're doing in the NFL. Like, do you believe, like, DeAndre Hopkins is just going to run, like, 80% of his routes from the slot this weekend, even though he should because – I don't think White he'll plays. run. I, I would set right. the line at, at, like, 0.5, and I would take the under from the slot. <laughs> Like, yeah, he'll probably run, like, eight to ten slot snaps like he usually does. But, you know, are they going to just scheme him away from Tredavious White? Probably not because teams are dumb and they do what they do always, you know. Uh, so it's just crazy uh, from that elk. We That's another time. We could talk about that for hours. I mean, I don't even think that that – like, I think that um, just like, oh, we got to run our stuff and beat the other team one-on-one. I think that's really stupid. But I think that yep. – um, I, I think that, like, specifically scheming for – like, oh, like this slot cornerback gives up whatever, whatever. I think that's kind of dumb. I Now, if you were like, this team has four injured defensive backs and is starting a guy who literally was like a D2 cornerback as their outside corner, yes, we should just be throwing a lot more. I mean, I think that, I think that is, but teams would not even do that. I mean, maybe the Patriots would, but that's it. Yeah, really, just they're they're really the only team you can consistently count on that attacks, you know, what teams don't do well, and now they're so limited offensively that they really can't even do that. Yeah, so the uh, the purpose of this show is we're going to go through, we're going to pick the and, and discuss our picks for the four wild card weekend games. Uh, I feel pretty good about two of these games against the spread, and the other two I could be, I think. I could be convinced to pick either way over the course, but uh, we'll just go through starting from the early game. This is one of the ones that I feel good about the Houston Texans three point home favorite against the Buffalo bills. Um, 
Josh Allen is not going on the road and winning this game. Uh, like, and and I actually think the the Bills of of the teams that are underdogs, I think they are the second most popular pick, other than the Titans this week. Um, and I totally get the reasons why people think the Bills can win this game. Their defense is really good. Deshaun Watson has really struggled this year against aggressive blitzing defenses. Uh, the Broncos game comes to mind. The Ravens game, of course, comes to mind. But uh, at the end of the day. The split in EPA produced between Josh Allen and Deshaun Watson is like it's it's a lake, right? This is not a stream. It's a it, like there's a massive gap in between how effective these offenses are. Where are you at with this game right now? Yeah, this is interesting. Just wild card weekend in general, betting on it is such a different animal than it is for just like the regular contest. Regular season. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, so if you look at it since 2002. I mean, so a couple of trends have just are, are like completely been like on par, uh, betting dogs, betting road teams, uh, and playing unders, which is, of course, no one likes to play unders, but unders have just been a smash playoff grab, especially in the wild card round. Uh, since 2002, unders hit at 60% of the time. Uh, it, and that's held true of late six and two the past two years. If you just bet every under every season since 2002, those 17 seasons when the NFL went to 32 teams, you'd have 10 winning seasons and just three losing ones. Uh, you know, nice. if, you just play, if you just play, if you just played every under, uh, the other thing too, another ongoing trend is, you know, players making their first, you know, quarterbacks making their first playoff start. You'll see a lot of this stuff. I'm sure out this week, if you're in the, the gambling circles and that's obviously we have three quarterbacks this weekend, making their first career playoff start. It's typically been a tough spot over that same span since 2002. First time playoff starters, uh, have a 10 and 28 record. 11 and 27 against the spread against non first time playoff starting quarterbacks. So removing all the games, it's just first time versus first time guy. Uh, since 2013, those quarterbacks are just two and 13, three and 12 against the spread in those spots. Just really hard to back these players. I mean, Deshaun Watson was in this spot last year as a first time playoff starter, and they got run. You know, they got they got uh, run off they the field by the Colts. Uh, we had three last year: it was Trubisky, Lamar, and Watson. They all lost. Uh, Mariota was the last first time quarterback. To win in the wild card round that was the game where he threw that touchdown pass to himself to himself <laughs> against the chiefs uh so i mean they're just really tough to back rookie quarterbacks and the bills have been one of the better teams to bet this year i mean uh they're six oh and two well uh, teams, teams that road. run way above their expectation those are gonna yes. like you you're gonna look back and you're gonna be like oh man the bills wrecked against the spread because they, they were they were super lucky relative to what their like uh peripheral numbers or like their i guess like their pythagorean like win loss stuff would suggest basically yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, they're another team, too. Like, they just – their games run towards the under. Uh, they're 12-4 they're and four games to the under. And, you know, playing into that rookie narrative that we just talked about, or, or not even rookie, first career playoff start narrative uh, of that 38-game sample, 28 of those games also went under. So you're getting under performances from a lot of these first-time playoff quarterbacks. I think this game uh, – you know, this game, especially given how the Bills play – uh, it's kind of screams under to me than playing one of the lines, but I think if you can get it uh, without the hook, I've seen it go down to two and a half in some places that I would so, probably take the Houston side. It, it is at two and a half some places, but you can also get it minus three at plus money at other places as well, which is what I have it booked right now. Houston Texans minus three, but I have it at plus one Oh five, which, um, you know, uh, actually the true odds mean that you're actually getting it even better because that's with 20 cents of big. 
Yeah, and the other thing, too, for this game, without just talking about just trends, actually talking about the real football game uh, and just not, you know, objective betting, you know, buckets, uh, you know, is the status, you know, just of, of Will Fuller playing in this game and what he's done you know, for the Houston offense. I mean, he's played in nine full games this year. They're 7-2. and two. They've averaged 26 points per game in those games. The other six games were moving week 17 uh, because none of their guys played. They went 3-3, three and three, averages 21.7 points per game their success rate is 56 percent on plays in the field will fuller is on the field this season compared to 52 percent with him out uh deshaun watson 8.3 yards for pass attempts uh with him on the field 9.3 yard a dot just seven yards for pass attempts seven and a half eight out with him off the field the bills are the best team against the deep pass uh, they have allowed just one touchdown on a pass uh, over 15 yards downfield all season. That's a league low. But schematically having Wolf Fuller available opens up, you know, the best the best of that offense. Well, it's just uh, it's forcing it's forcing an uncomfortable choice for defensive coordinators because how do you want to use Tre'Davious White? How do you want to use how do you want to use you know these your secondary when you have you know multiple concerns? I guess. And also, my thing would be is that yes. Um, Watson did get rocked a couple times this year, but like if I'm just because, and then we've talked about this on the show before, it's kind of the way that I evaluate betting on games is quarterback first, uh, then head coach, and and then you know kind of just you know other stuff like like defensive strength, but really really quarterback and head coach is where I'm going on a lot of this stuff. I think that Houston has the massive massive advantage at quarterback. I know. Um, Bills fans really like what Josh Allen has done this year, and he's like a good runner and everything. But even in QBR that accounts for running, Watson has been like a way better player this year. And head coach, I actually think Buffalo has the advantage, but I think that a lot of the other sec, like the fact that Bill O'Brien has at least coached many playoff games before, that is again, you know, like another small advantage in their corner. Yeah, I mean, since it's not a super, we're not doing the super contest theme. I mean, I think the under is the play. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, we can game. make any picks we want. Yeah, I mean, that's my personal my my personal pick is is on the under in this game. Uh, I would say, like I said, uh, if you force me to pick a side, I would lean towards Houston, but I think it's more of a, a lower scoring game. They played last year; it was twenty to thirteen. Uh, you know, Josh Allen got hurt in that game, uh, but uh, I don't think it's a high scoring game at all. And typically, so that these is- early Saturday games aren't. I mean, it's always it's uh, the early Saturday game, which the Houston Texans play in about seventy five percent of the time. It's always it's always it's always the worst game. Um, and and our our modeling at SportsGrid.com it, it agrees with you. It does not have does not have a, a five star play on this game other than on the under. The the under is a, a play that beats the vig over the long run. And uh, I was gonna try and look at some player props for this game, but my book does not have them up yet. So. We are, yeah, we are not going to do that. Yeah. I mean, and I, I think that by the time most people are listening to this, the DraftKings and FanDuel Sportsbook should have their player props up. They get them out really early because they know where their bread is buttered. So that would uh, – that's certain. I mean, that's like those, – those like definitely betting player props this weekend is way – is going to be way more beatable than betting these lines, which are literally some of the most bet on lines in the entire world. That, that, would, be, that would be my advice for you there. I'm very disappointed too in the DFS layout too this week, especially the sites that only went. It sucks. FanDuel split both of them, and the Saturday slate is just uh, uh, horrendous. The Saturday slate's horrible, (laughs) and for the four game stuff, even on DraftKings with well, I guess FanDuel has late swap now too. But the we have 
two of the biggest questionables of the week, Zach Ertz and Miles Sanders in literally the last game. So like that, that, that is, that's, that's just horrible for like swapping and, and getting everything set up. Okay. That game's pretty boring. No one really wants to talk about that game. This next game, though, I, I would imagine that if we really wanted to get in the nitty-gritty, we could probably talk for an hour about, about the Tennessee There's Titans at the New England Patriots. Right now, the Patriots are listed as minus four-and-a-half-point favorites. I think some books have this as high as five. I've seen it at – like, this, is, this one is actually moved because for the first time that I can remember, Rich – Sharp money is on New England, and the public money is on the Titans. Big and and, and I mean, it, it feels like a, a big like uh, Jim Jim from the Office meme. Like, what is going on? Like, <laughs> the New England Patriots, they're going to win this game. I, I feel very confident that they are going to win this game. Now, four and a half points. That actually is. I thought this was just going to be classic Patriots by three, um, and, and mm-hmm. it's not. So, so come so talk to me about your thoughts on this game. I think I'm pretty much locked and said with you. I, I think Patriots win, and I'm not sure they cover. I mean, to, to get right, five, like this feels <laughs> like 24-21 to me. Yeah, I mean, uh, the Dol- I mean, uh, the, not the Dolphins, uh, Brian Tannehill's old team. The Titans, I mean, they've run so hot with him under center since they made that change. I mean, they're, since week seven, since he took over, I mean, they're first in the NFL in yards per play. They're first in the NFL in yards per rush. They're first in the NFL in yards per pass play. And they're first in the NFL in yards per pass play, despite Tannehill still having that bad habit of just taking tons of sacks. He's, he's been sacked 27 times over that span. It's 11th highest in the NFL. You know, the Patriots are kind of just living on, you know, Mystique right now. I mean, this is a team that hasn't played good football. They they lose home field advantage in a must-win game at home uh, to the Miami Dolphins. You know, uh, one of the worst that, teams. That is – and you know what? That game is why even, like, I've been on the Patriots are super fraudulent. So, like, I was not even surprised, really, by losing that game. But I've also been on – the Titans are fraudulent. This Ryan Tannehill stuff has a very clear end. I, our, our buddy Pat Thorman, I saw him tweet out earlier today, uh, the Titans have beaten one team above 500 that was playing their starters. So, you know, that uh, that should be pretty concerning. And I also, do, do we have a historical analog for a sixth-year quarterback, um, you know, just um, like becoming – yeah like like <laughs> steve young like i like i i, I i'm serious They're, like do we have an analog i i do not believe that there is uh any sort of historical comp for a guy averaging uh that for this is true even including this season ryan Tannehill averages seven yards per adjusted attempt this year he is averaging 10.2 adjusted yards per attempt so just like sort of basic mathematical logic like statistics 101 would be like you know what i'm probably going to trust the sample of uh so he threw 2911 passes in miami he's thrown 286 passes as a titan i i would just believe that those two samples would come to the middle right i i'm not gonna i'm not gonna buy him as a 10 yards per adjusted attempt quarterback yeah, it's hard to buy it for long term, but we've seen some. We've seen in small samples like run, runs like this happen, and you know it's just kind of one of these wait wait to get off. Uh, of course, you know Ryan Tannehill's they're no stranger to to the to the New England Patriots. Uh, and this is also he falls in that trend. It's his first career pro season game. Remember the Dolphins made it a couple years ago. He was not the starting quarterback. It was Matt Moore who got leve- you know elevated into heaven by Bud Dupree. 
but you know, they, Daniel's faced the Patriots uh, six times in New England. He's 0-6, 0-6 against the spread in those games. I think you hit on something that, that's a big point, is that you just look at the Titans. We knew that they were playing to get in these, this last month of the season, and they basically got dog-walked by the Texans and the Saints. You know, you know the two better teams they had to play over, and they played those teams at home. Uh, you know, they were down fourteen nothing at the half in that Texans game. Kind of did some stuff in the second half and got some yardage. Uh, and then the Saints, the Saints were up, I believe, ten points going to the fourth quarter of that game a couple weeks ago. And then just schematically, they match up well. We saw what the Saints were able to do with Marshawn Lattimore. They had Marshawn Lattimore follow AJ Brown, and he had two targets, just one catch. He did have that long touchdown run, but you're not counting on wide receivers to have fifty yard touchdown runs. Granted, too, that game I mean, I mean, AJ Brown. Uh, people who've been playing AJ Brown in DFS have been counting on uh, fifty yard touchdown runs for like <laughs> That's nothing. True. Nothing is making me more salty than the fantasy seasons out of Derrick Henry and out of A.J. Brown because I, I was very much not invested in these players. And so, like, just, like, seeing guys get four targets a game <laughs> but, like, average, like, uh, like eight fantasy points per target is, like, so brutal. Yeah, it's uh, we're getting at the New England in a spot too. We don't. They usually don't play a wild card weekend ever. So, <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, I, I believe it's the last time since twenty. 10 12, I thought right? I read it was the it was the Ravens game at home right or uh they might have faced the Broncos one year on uh that was just a Saturday uh Saturday thing they they, they haven't played a home game wild card weekend since that Ravens game I think where Ray Rice had the touchdown like the first play of the game uh they just so got, in they 2009 they lost in the wild card round yeah and then the 2012 2012, 2012 New England Patriots uh no no they did not play they that that was not the year that was uh, they they played the Houston Texans, of course. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, it's just and it's hard matchup wise to find out where the the Titans get over, even as hot as they've run offensively. I mean, Derrick Henry, we know they're going to give him the ball a ton. Uh, Patriots have had one rushing touchdown all season to a running back, just one. Uh, and like I said, they've got Gilmore. And then the, the craziest thing is people latching on to this two-game sample of Corey Davis versus the Patriots and acting like his usage now ties over into those two games. Like he's magically going to start getting targets uh, and start performing just because it's the Patriots. Uh, you know, because he had the 7 for 125 last year against them, the 5 for 63 when they played in the playoffs uh, two years ago. Um, but this is a guy who's completely been surpa- surpassed by A.J. Brown. Uh, he has just caught 27 passes in his nine games with Ryan Tannehill. Uh, I mean, that's one of the weirder narratives uh, I've seen getting pushed. I mean, the, the narratives for this game really surround two things, which is one, Brady is washed and, and can't, you know, just at a, at a high level. Like, for example, probably five years ago, the Patriots get the ball back with what? It was like 45 seconds left on the clock against the Dolphins, and you think – oh, well, they're going to go kick the field goal and get it. And I didn't see one person, not not the biggest Patriots homer in the world, say, oh, okay, they're going to go get this field goal. Not no one, no one thought it. No one tweeted it. No one said it on TV. It just was not a part of the discourse. So that's a big part. And then the other thing is people are just buying this Tannehill thing. Like, like people are just, they're like, I mean, dude, Silva. So like, so in a, uh, inside baseball here in a dynasty league that we are all in, I traded away Ryan Tannehill, who I traded a, a 2021 second round pick for, I traded him away for Mitch Trubisky and like the universal blowback on that was like that I lost that I lost. I traded away a 31 year old quarterback, got a 24 year old running quarterback and that I lost that trade. And 
I mean, first of all, I, I clearly I disagree because I made the trade to begin with. But <laughs> the blowback from that, from like I and from people I respect and like, was like this Tannehill thing is for real, and and I think part of it. Yeah. actually relates to how much everyone hates Adam Gase and everyone is so willing. <laughs> everyone is so willing to say um, Tannehill can be good because it was all Gase's fault in Miami. And uh, you know what? I don't, I don't buy it because perhaps no. no quarterback in the NFL is worse at taking sacks than Ryan Tannehill. Mm-hmm. And uh, that kills drives like taking like horrible. We, we actually saw this with Baker this year, like Baker's propensity for taking sacks is one of the biggest problems with the Browns offense and Tannehill. This has been a problem his whole career never changed. Didn't change this year. Didn't change with the Titans. It's just that every time he dropped back to pass, he was throwing like a 50 yard touchdown. So, uh, but, but that is, that's where I, yeah. I, I think part one is true. I do think Brady is washed, but I do not think that Ryan Tannehill is Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I'm definitely on that train as well. I think we, two weeks ago, Brady actually played his best game of the season since like way early in the season, that Buffalo game on that Saturday. He was really good that game. Yeah. They crushed that uh, Buffalo game. Um, so, I mean, that, and I thought like that was going to be like a turning point. It's like, all right, here we go. Like the, the mystique, the stigma's kicking in, like, here we go. And then he, they, you know, they flatlined week 17 against that Miami team. But, uh, I mean, he at least showed me two weeks ago that he's at least capable of at least finding it for a little bit. So, I mean, and the Titans defense isn't anything we're scared of. I like the, I like the Patriots to win. I kind of like the, t- the Titans side. If you get it at, you know, you can get it the four, the four and a half, five. I kind of like that more. Uh, I like Patriots to win, Titans to cover. Uh, my lean would be actually probably to the over on this because both teams, uh, you know, the Patriots defense has been carrying such heavy clout, you know, this season. But uh, I feel like right. the, the 44 is kind of low, I think. 44, I think, is low just based on, like, the the median outcome of this game is, like – both teams actually find themselves scrambling and actually have to try like the Patriots are going to well. And also we do know one thing, which is that the Patriots are going to start calling good plays. Now it does, that does not mean that Brady is going to be able to execute them, (laughs) but something that we saw last year was in the playoffs. Sony Michelle was just dusted off and they were like, okay, James white, like you're the man now dog. Like we're, we're going to, and, and Sony played later on in the playoffs, but in those first two playoff games, James white was like a huge part of their game plan. And I think that, James White is going to be a huge part of their, uh, their, there's a shout. I will, I will definitely have the over on James White props on this game when they come out, but I, I am not going to take. Or you could the play their best running back. Rex. I mean, yeah. the, the, they definitely should not play. So if Sony sees more than 10 touches in this game, something went wrong. Like someone got hurt or they're just going to lose, but like Sony can't be getting the ball in this game. Cause the Patriots are going to have to score. Uh, I, so I'm not taking uh aside here in terms of the four or the four and a half i i'm just i am betting the patriots money line though which is uh depending on your book it's it should be anywhere between minus 210 and minus 240 and right now minus minus 225 i'm taking that i don't feel great about it just because also like i should just take the points if i think that they're gonna win but uh the the 24 21 scenario is is pretty terrifying contrarian pick though who would have thought the patriots in the playoffs would be a contrarian pick yeah here we are man here we are <laughs> yeah i what what actually what actually is going to happen is that uh pe- like people are going to feel really stupid about it after like the first drive is they're going to be like oh yeah this is right this is ryan Tannehill making a road playoff start this was this was His bad, first career, bad 
His first career playoff start in Foxborough, a place he's never won. Oh, that is uh, another element. I saw Salfino tweet this out. Belichick has 11 career games against Tannehill. So he's, he's game plan for Tannehill yeah. a bunch. I told you, they're all, he's 0-6 in Foxborough and 0-6 against the spread. <laughs> Granted, it wasn't. Those are Dolphins teams. but uh, he, didn't have, he didn't have Derrick Henry, obviously. That's you know, Derrick, right. He, Derrick Henry is the key to the game. I, I predict if Derrick Henry has two 70-plus yard touchdown runs, the Titans find a way to win. That's my analysis. That's right. I, I feel confident in that as well. I'll support that. Oh, God, dude. <laughs> I hate Derrick Henry. You know, I was going back and looking at my Derrick Henry projections. The passing game projections I nailed, dude. Na- in fact, I was even a little bit high on his passing game volume. I had him for 20 receptions this year, which was actually lower than what he ended up getting. Uh, it's just I didn't project him for uh, five and a half yards per carry, and I should feel bad about that. Oh, you didn't project him to score in 11 of 15 games played? No, dude. I didn't have him as – I did not have uh, the uh, – I did not have the AFC six seed with league leader in touchdowns. Just a, it's just a tough scene, really. He he was a tilting player, man. And, uh, you know, our buddy J.J. Zacharyson, we always talk in a thread, and he was tilted this season by Aaron Jones, just like not regressing, you know, touchdown-wise. And uh, Derrick Henry was the same way. I mean, he would – and what's crazy about Derrick Henry is that he'd score two touchdowns in the first half all season. Like, the, like – just, he would just yeah pop. like when like, you anytime you were playing against him you were like oh dude I'm, i got this in the bag yeah he'd have 65 yards at halftime you'd be like cool like he's we know he's not catching passes in the second half of every game he'd rush for 140 yards and two touchdowns it's so tilted yeah so <laughs> oh oh here actually this is a great question where does derrick henry like what is his his at his adp next year like oh in, he'll be in, a turn in guy. casual leagues He'll be at least uh, – I think he'll be a turn guy, like lower lower See, dude, bottom one. I think he might go like four. Maybe in standard leagues. I still think in like catch leagues he'll still – I still think – but I still think even that's too high. I mean, he's an easy fade just by archetype uh, to fade at that spot. A guy that doesn't catch passes that's relying on touchdowns and game script. Uh, he's a guy like – I this year he was, you know – because remember he had a preseason injury too this year, and he kind of – he fell back down to like the four or five range. Uh, but at a one turn, at a one two turn guy, if he's there or even higher, like you're suggesting, I mean, he's a, it's just pretty easy just to, to fade that archetype without even having a personal opinion on Derrick Henry and projecting him, just to take that archetype at that cost and just say, nah, and run away from it. Yeah, it's uh, it's just uh, it's just classic. All right. Viking Saints, this is, uh, I mean, you know, turns out love bookmakers are pretty good at setting lines because at, at six and a half, at seven, you're probably jamming the Saints at eight. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got, you got to think, right? And like, just, it's so funny, man. Every time you go to bet, you're like, especially on a line that's been this picked over, it's so hard to make a play. But the New Orleans, and, and this is the, the, the game everyone wants to watch this weekend because it should be good for fantasy. Dalvin Cook should be back. Adam Thielen is back. You know, the Vikings should be at full strength for this game. This, this I think, should be a good game. And I actually do think that Vikings uh, plus eight is the uh, – is the I, I, that's the side I am leaning right now. Have yet to make an official selection, though. Yeah, I show it uh, on my end. It should be like five and a half. So, uh, to push it to eight is tough. I mean, the Saints are, are hot, though. I mean, they, you know, they're league best 11-5 and five against the spread. They've been the be- one of the best bets you can make. Uh, but historically, you know, in these home playoff games, they play a little more conservative. Uh, you know, they, they play 
uh, games that are a lot, are very tight. I mean, they, this will be their eighth uh, home playoff game with, under Drew Brees and Sean Payton. Uh, they are 6-1 and one in the previous seven games. The only loss was that Rams game last year that came with some controversy at the end. Uh, but although they've been a tough out in the postseason, they're just 2-5 and five against the spread in these games because they're typically overvalued for the home Saint stigma. You know, them just being able to just run up and down the field like they typically do at home. And, you know, their home splits were better again this year. Um, but, uh, yeah, I feel like eight's too much, too many points here. I mean, what's the over-under, true over-under, and how many times do we see the Stephon Diggs uh, catch against the Saints this week? Uh, four and a half. Probably <laughs> like how many times do they one? show that? Yeah, that, that's, a, yeah. that's a fun prop if it would exist. You know, how many times will they show that replay? Yeah. I'm actually, you know what? I'm betting. I, I am. I'm going to bet Vikings right now while we're here. If you like, I, I, I trust, I trust that. I trust that consensus. I mean, I also, I also don't think the Vikings are that bad. Like I, no, I think, yeah. I think they're a good team. <laughs> it's just, it's just that playing in the Superdome in new Orleans against a team that we all think is like really good. Uh, you know, we like, and, and that's so like the saints right now, as we mentioned, they're getting very overvalued because everyone hates green Bay right now. Yeah, obviously everyone, the, t- the tide has turned uh, on Green Bay. Again, we were there in week six. We were all you guys. But uh, since Breeze has come back in week eight, I mean, New Orleans is their second in the league in points per game, 32.7, fifth in the league in yards per play, uh, and their second in the league in point differential behind the Ravens. Uh, what's crazy is think about that. They're plus 100 since Drew Breeze came back, and the Ravens over that span are plus 192, uh, which is, yep. just shows you like how hot they've run. Now, Minnesota has gone the opposite way. They've kind of tr- trended – down you know cousins got like real hot in the middle of the season and was just on fire um but since that same time frame since week eight i mean minnesota's 15th in yards per play they're 11th uh in scoring per game after they were third in yards per play uh and fourth in points per game you know the first seven weeks of the season so they've kind of uh struggled a little bit not struggled because they're still in the top half of the league but they've taken a step back in terms of efficiency where they were where they've really struggled is running the ball uh you know i think i think you know dalvin cook He's such a good dual-purpose back, but uh, that they really fell off running the football, and especially you know over Dalvin Cook's last four games. I mean, he ran for just three point seven yards per carry. Just they really struggled to get going uh, on the ground in the games that mattered. So I mean, the Saints haven't allowed a hundred-yard rusher in the past forty-two games that they've had. Like they haven't allowed uh, Samaj P. Ryan was the last hundred-yard rusher against the Saints. Uh, is that sorry. true? Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, an, that is an amazing so pull. That's an that's such a good pull. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, it's crazy. Uh, it's it's interesting because what the Saints. I think the way that you know that they should approach it. Cause the Saints have given up some big games. You go know, back to that Forty ers game, and that Kyle Allen had a, played a shootout in the Superdome with them uh, down the back half of the year. So this game could get kind of to where we needed to go. Like you said, it's definitely the most appealing from a fantasy stance. Stance, um, but we need good Kirk Cousins to show up and show relying on Kirk Cousins in these big spots and eventually you know you guys will hear the Kirk Cousins versus winning teams and so forth like we need Cousins to play like he was in the middle of the season for us to get there this this week yeah so I that I mean that is right like it it, this really does come down to can Kirk Cousins have a Kirk Cousins 80th percentile game and if he does this should be close right and and also this is on this is on Zimmer and Stefanski to call a good game. If they if they are calling first down runs down 14-0 in the second quarter, it, it's over, man. Like you're you're gonna get you're gonna get boat raced. Like that that is the nature of that's the nature of the game. And I, I don't know. Like like I do think the Viking side is clearly right, but I could see feeling, you know, ten minutes into the game, like, oh, we actually we lost. Like this is this is over, we lost this. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, just because the, <laughs> yeah. the Vikings are one of those teams that has – they have a super talented roster, both sides of the ball. Like, they have very good players at every position uh, on offense, and they have very good, like, high-impact defensive players, but they are not coached optimally at all. Yeah, and we've seen it a couple weeks ago against the Packers. I mean, they fall behind, and they just can't get out of their own way. They can't do anything. Uh, especially a team for a team that have the kind of talent they have, especially a wide receiver to not be able to generate any production in your quarterback throw for under four yards for pass attempt, uh, you know, in a game where you, you know, are, are you need to win uh, and make a statement is, you know, be, it's just, it's just rough, but they, yeah, they do. They run into these, just, just, it's, it, it goes back to Kirk Cousins, man. Like he just lays these eggs sometimes and you just, cause he'll look like a great quarterback. Uh, for stretches and then you just like then there's just times where it's just volatility is is always scary yeah it is it is super scary this is um this is also a game where uh they're gonna be they're gonna be some props that i like i think that there's going to be really low props on Irv Smith Jr. Like you might be able to get like over one and a half receptions. And, and uh, like, I think Minnesota's just going to have to go really pass heavy in this game to stick with new Orleans. So I'll be, uh, I'll be on those. And then also probably uh, Traquan Smith has low key, like overtaken Ted Ginn in terms oh, yes. of the, of the pecking order for their, for their passing game. So I will be, uh, I will be in, I will be in on some of those props as well. The final game, I I mean, is there a squarer pick than Seattle minus two and a half at Philadelphia? It is it is the squarest line that exists, but I can't I cannot in good conscience take the Eagles. It's tough. And do you remember they this is the only rematch of the wild card round? And we talked about this game. I was on with you uh, during the week when this same exact game happened. Seattle visiting Philadelphia. And I remember Philadelphia was a one point favorite at that time. And uh, none of us could believe it. And, you know, we were just going through all the layout for that game. You know, Russ on the East Coast, where they're, you know, him and Pete Carroll are phenomenal traveling East. We kind of brought up all those trends. And uh, it hit still. You know, they won 17 to 9. Uh, and we're kind of in the same spot. I mean, they, the Eagles are just – and they're a team we've talked about for, like, the past month. And they just keep running. They, like the, It's like the preseason. Everyone said, Eagles have the deepest roster in the NFL. Well, football gods are just here saying, prove it. Because they're losing dudes every week. I mean, they just lost their right guard, Brandon Brooks, now uh, last week. Miles Sanders it's like, was down It's, with it's an like injury. hilarious when this happens to anyone. Like, like every team – well, not every team. Every year, this happens to some team where it's just like they're playing. They're playing CFL wide receivers and you know D three offensive linemen. Like, just it does. It happens to one team every year, and uh, you know that this year it's the it's the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, I mean they've got so many key injuries on the offensive side that it's hard to support them. Uh, you know, they also, I mean, the, this is another game where I think it's under two. You could probably parlay this one, too, with the side you like. Uh, because, you know, Eagles Eagles only allowed 16.8 points per game at home this season, third in the NFL. They play typically slog games. This, it, and, and Seattle is willing to play that type of football. You know, he said it was 17-9 to nine when these teams played earlier in the season. And, you know, DK Metcalf probably cost the, the Seahawks uh, probably 7 to 10 points in that game. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's probably another underplay. I will say this, though. I have – like no person has taken more money from me over the past two postseasons than Doug Peterson. Uh, you know, they've he's, been, he's, he's such a, he's such a sick fish. Cause he should know better. 
Dude, they've been an underdog in all five of their playoff games the past two years. They've won four outright. They've covered the spread in all five. They were in a spot, you know, last year. I mean, remember, it's like, how are you going to pick them? Definitely against the Bears, they they were a a, a more trendy pick. But remember, they covered against the Saints. They would have beat the Saints if Alshon Jeffrey probably catches that pass. They probably knocked the Saints out of the playoffs with Nick Foles and Jordan Matthews. Remember, Jordan Matthews got a touchdown first drive of the game. If Alshon catches that pass, they they are going in probably for the go-ahead score. They can win that game. Um, it's just like, we've been in this spot with the Eagles consistently the past two years, man. And, uh, they've taken a lot of my money in this spot. It is. It's just, it is. It's, uh, it's crazy, but it's just like, I, I, I just don't think they have the bodies left. Yeah. I just, I just, it's very hard for me to imagine Dallas Goddard, Greg Ward, Carson Wentz, and, uh, and Deontay Burnett, you know, like it's no right side of no right side of their offensive line. Yeah. Like it just, I, I, I find it very hard to, you know, I, yeah, like I, I, it's just not happening. And if it does, it means that, that Pete Carroll just galaxy brained way too hard. Like it, it just means that Pete Carroll called like one of the worst games of his career. Probably. There's just no way around it. That's probably the only way. I mean, I feel good about it though as well, because we know Russ isn't really going to turn the ball over. That, I mean, it'd be different if we were supporting a quarterback. This is also Wentz's first career start, too, so he falls into that trend. He was the third guy uh, that falls into that trend. So, I mean, backing Russ is usually a typically safe play for me because it's just not he's not a guy that's going to, like, light it on fire. You need the, the coaching staff might, but it's not going to be Russ himself. Yeah, no, like Russ is not going to have such a bad game that uh, that like you're like, oh, well, he cost me my bet or whatever. But it might be like the coaching staff is like, okay, we're gonna we're just gonna do the the most get like galaxy brain play calls ever. Like for, fourth and one, we're gonna run you know full back up the middle. Nick Nick Ballore, we're putting the game in Nick Ballore's hands instead of Russell Wilson. Like that, like certainly, um, like that is uh that is in play for you know what How about. What, uh... How about them on Sunday night, you know, trying to they, – they get the first and goal at the one-yard line and they galaxy bring themselves by trying to get Marshawn Lynch a touchdown and have to take a delay game penalty. Yep. Uh, actually, and they did it after a spike, right? They ran down and spiked it and then took a delay game. First of all, the spike was egregious. Teams got to stop spiking the ball and wasting it down with so much time left. That's, like, the next thing. Like, people got to start realizing how dumb – that is. And then after the spike, they took a delay game because they wanted to get Marshawn Lynch on the field for a touchdown of all things, instead of just continuing to do uh, what was working at that time. And then it came back and it cost them because, I mean, that delay game was huge and caught, costing them that yardage. Uh, Russell was running so hot in that second half, too. Um, but yeah, they, leave it to the Seattle. That's, your, that's the concern if you're on the Seattle side is that for some reason, you know, uh, Brian Schottenheimer and, you know, Pete get in their way uh, here. I've I've bet on them a ton this year just because I think like well well I bet on them a ton because I am a uh you know I am a believer in Russell Wilson essentially and uh they they've made me feel like a fool for that for that belief like they they've made me feel bad like that is a, a bad decision because so many of these games they could have won and they like they beat the 49ers and it was like a, a con, like a good convincing win and then, you know, other times they just look horrible. They, they don't even look like an organized coaching staff at all. It's so bad. <laughs> yeah, and like I said, Doug has been one of those guys in these spots has taken – we're on a first-name basis now, me and, me and Doug Peterson. He's had yeah, so much of my Doug. money. He, I mean, he's got so much of my money. He might, we might as well. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, yeah, you guys, you guys are bros. 
Yeah, but uh, I mean, yeah, I've I feel like I'm due. I, the Eagles owe me some money. Uh, they do. <laughs> uh, do you have? Do you like any of these future plays? Uh, I I like uh, I like a couple of them. We we did a we did a whole podcast earlier in the week about some of the futures. The the ones that uh, you know the the ones that I have are they're they're all Ravens futures basically. Uh, no, I haven't really dug in and talked on them. I mean, we've talked on the show the last few, few weeks. I mean, I think, I believe like the, the, the best bet and I wish that they were, you know, they got that buy too, which makes that future, those future bets even better. Those chiefs bets when they got that two seed, I was like, Oh baby. Uh, cause that only improves their odds. Like we talked about earlier. I mean, 46 of 58 teams since they expanded uh, the playoffs have, have been the one or two seed and had that buy. So if you had chiefs futures a month ago, uh, they, they got improved exponentially. Yeah, I mean they they their odds like got like slashed like from like like you basically got like a twenty five percent bump like they're like they, it's crazy how big of a deal that was yeah it was mm-hmm. it was massive so pretty 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 sick yeah uh, all right man I think I Beautiful. think that about does it we 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 wagered on we wagered on the games we we did what needed to be done. Yeah, I mean, uh, I weaved my way into making this a regular spot, so I mean, I'm glad that you had me on and, and brought it brought, invited me on for the playoffs. It was very sick. Uh, I hope that, uh, you know, I hope that we give, we give the people some good, some good takes this weekend. I hope that, uh, man, I really hope that the Tennessee Titans do not win. Of course, if they do though, I mean, whoever they play in the second round, they're just going to get, they play the chiefs, right? Yeah. And then they beat the chiefs. So in arrowhead, so people will bring that up. Uh, Oh man, you do, you do love to see it. You do. You really do love to see it. That'll, that will be uh, that will be a pretty great one. Um, all right, man. Well, thank you so much for joining the show. Everyone make sure to check out all of Rich's stuff over on sharpfootball.com. Follow him at Lord Reeves. And, uh, you know, if things go well, we will be back next week. Hey, everyone. It's Michelle Williams. And I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys. And I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon.